卵の殻を破らねばひな鳥は生まれずに死んでいく自由の部屋と自由の籠空の広さを教えずに彼らはひなを可愛がる世界の籠を破壊せよ世界を革命するために Welcome once again to the Shadow Play Gaze. We are a podcast that discusses the 1997 anime Revolutionary Girl Utena. As always, I am your host, Derek Reining, and I am joined by someone who always is having a main character moment. It's Christine Palin. Exactly. That is so true. I'm the main character of every story.、Um, so, yeah, we're here to talk about Walkable Flourishing, episode 20 of Revolutionary Girl Utena, and we have a guest. A guest who isn't Audrey.、Um, you may know them from making YouTube videos, I believe two YouTube videos about Revolutionary Girl Utena.、Um, if you're in the Empty Movement Discord, you have maybe seen them around、um, streaming the Utena Sega video game.、Um, please welcome Stushi. Hello, hello. Thank And, you so much.、Uh, Sorry, I'm not Audrey. <laughs> no, we need I to like, listen to those episodes, and Audrey's pretty great.、So. <laughs> she will be making an appearance in this episode because I did ask、Ooh. her for her opinion on the Greek mythology and the dual song. Nice.、Um, so, even when our guest isn't Audrey, we still have to bring Audrey on. No, I'm so excited. You were one of the people when, when、uh, we started doing this, where I was like, I, want, I had seen your videos, and I, like, I wanted you on, and then we ended up meeting in real life. So, this、nice. is just super exciting. Um, so, yeah, everyone's favorite supporting character, Wakaba, is the main character of this episode.、Um, before we get into it,、uh, Derek, do you have any notes? I don't think there's anything beyond the general just content of this arc. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think there's anything uh, that's uh, worth noting in terms of like、uh, triggering content or anything like that.、Um, again, other than just Sayonji being Sayonji, which is, you know. Always a frightful experience. But yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't have anything. And then、um, for me,、um, this is another like all star lineup for the folks who worked on this episode. So the storyboards on this one were done by Mamoru Husoda, who, as we've mentioned,、oh, uh, is yeah, big time famous now and had previously、King. done、um, Unfulfilled Jury. Um, and the Boys of the Black Rose, and we will see him again later in the series.、Um, this was directed by Katushi Sakurabi,、um, who was a key animator in Sailor, one of the Sailor Moon movies,、um, and who had previously directed the Nami's Precious One and the Thorns of Death, another favorite of ours.、Um, and then、uh, this was written by Ryoi Sukimura, who、um, This is his second episode of Utena he wrote after the Thorns of Death. So it's、uh, Mama Hosoda and then two people who worked on the Thorns of Death. And this is、uh, Rory Sukimura, is the person who wrote every episode of the 2001、uh, anime noir,、um, which I really recommend. That's a fun anime. So, yeah, those are my notes. This is a great episode. It's a beautiful episode. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> It makes so much sense that Mamoru Hosoda worked on this one because I was just like, I hadn't noticed this the first time I was watching it. I was like, this is fucking gorgeous. Like, it's one of the most beautiful episodes out there, I think. So it's like nice. Yeah, this、Absolutely. one has always stuck out to me visually. I mean, there's a lot of like striking images in it and like haunting images in it, but just the lighting in this episode.、Um, I mean,、yeah. it's like almost everything taking place at sunset.、Um, That a lot of last episode did as well, the、uh, Onion Prince episode, but this one, and then the way the certain things are lit in the、uh, duel is just, yeah, gorgeous、mm-hmm. episode. A gorgeous episode for our precious Wakaba, who <laughs> is really going through it. And、oh, I'm so excited. So, the main character in our hearts. Exactly.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> the original Fem Cell. 
I was wondering how long it would take me to call her oh, a no. cell. <laughs> and we're there. <laughs> so we open on, so this is, again, the this is very much a two-parter, but we wanted to do this one separately because it's so good. She so deserves it. She deserves mm-hmm. it, queen. Um, so we had ended the last episode with Wakaba going home after uh, rejecting the Onion Prince, essentially, and getting the Sionji jump scare. And we open this episode with her walking home again and we get double denim Sionji jump scare. Um, what is it called? Yes. The cowboy tuxedo? It's a Canadian tuxedo. Canadian you should know tux. as someone who lives there now. <laughs> Listen, I'm fake. I'm not Canadian. <laughs> um, yes, Canadian I tuxedo. The, I call it the double denim lesbian suit, honestly, because that too is such a lesbian in this episode. Just like a wood carving and everything mm. else is just lesbian behavior, honestly. Yeah, Sionji is the original he-him lesbian. Yes. <laughs> Derek, between like the discourse you brought up on like uh, Bitter Jurors this week about Shan being a queer icon and now this, you're just like itching to like get the girls talking. I love it. <laughs> so, but yeah, we op- we see uh, uh, Sionji c- come home and, but like, I mean, excuse me, we see Wakaba come home, but before she actually gets home, we get all the voiceovers of the girls in the school talking about Sionji. So we get kind of a reminder of what happened. He got kicked out. Um, and they're like, oh, I had a crush on him. Um, you know, like. But he's a fucking loser. Now. <laughs> he's a fucking loser, got kicked out. Um, we were buying pictures of him. And um, before she, Wakaba gets home, she sees the two like little sheep mugs. I think that's what they are. Uh, like with like a little pink and a little green. Um and then uh, she lo- like I think it's notable that like Wakaba locks the door behind her. Like she's always locking the door with her, mm-hmm. when her with her and Sionji alone in her uh, like dorm room. Um, and this is where we learn that he's been staying there like for a, quite a long time. Like he's just been freeloading ever since he got kicked out of school. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the ultimate leech. Yeah, I love the the sheep mug detail. Um, because I feel like there's so many things you could read into that. Um, like 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 we said, they're they're, they're like gendered. It's like a his and her sort of deal, uh, with the, like the bow and then whatever the other sheep is wearing. Um, but I don't know. Also, this idea of livestock always is coming up on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lambs to the slaughter. But I guess I don't know who's the lamb who's getting slaughtered is the question. <laughs> Maybe. Wow, that's a good point. Like they're both lambs in this episode. It kind of feels like like they're both just being. Uh, marionetted through the plot in a way right so they're in the mm-hmm. same position but in very different positions in their own mind about it I think yeah and like I mean when you think about the Utana Wakaba relationship and the Toga Sionji mm. relationship too like they're both Sionji and Wakaba are both in proximity to like more important people um, and in love with them yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um and so I think that's notable too though like that, that like Wakaba is drawn to Sionji of all people this person who is also like you know Toga and Utena are at the center of things and Sionji and Wakaba are kind of at the periphery of these important people and like and so it, it makes a lot of sense that Wakaba is like drawn to him um and yeah like the I didn't think about the significance of like the sheep mugs but being like prey or being you know like not you know, you, you don't think of like sheep as like great animals. You think of like in, in herds and they're pushed yeah. along. Totally. Exactly. 
Mm -hmm. And also, I just feel like uh, it's she has the sheet mug. She has like a cap, uh, like little. I assume it's like a for boiling tea or coffee or whatever she is making. Um, so they're like very childish. Like these are things like kids would own. But there's she's like still playing housewife with these like very childish things. Like she wants to be doing this very grown up act of like making coffee for her not husband, but you know her significant other at this point. Um, but it's still uh, using these tools that are very childlike. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the the like tea maker or whatever because it is such a bright green tea maker, and it's so visually striking in those scenes when it's just her and Sionji, and everything else is like this like muted orangish sunset palette, except for Sionji's hair and that green tea maker. And anyway, we'll talk about the ending, but I thought that was really significant. <laughs> Mm -hmm. definitely so he's like Sionji's being very pathetic because <laughs> he's like I'm <laughs> such a loser like you're you called her Joan of Arc um which I think is like you no know, it's like again think about like Joan of Arc being like a historically significant figure I mean like Wakaba is a supporting character in the story but she is the main character of Sionji's life right now um and you know he's just being very pathetic and he starts crying like he's like I can leave and then he like grabs her hands like really intensely and that kind of leads to like a moment between them where it gets like a little too intense um and then the fucking like looney tunes of the next part where the girl walks <laughs> like knocks on the door and he literally like scurries away and so then funny. afterwards he like slides out from under the bed um, <laughs> i forgot how funny that i always forget how funny that is until i see it <laughs> Absolutely yeah that's cute. sorry no I was, yeah i was gonna i agree it's very funny and also um i it's almost kind of like horror-y maybe i'm thinking about this because i'm like i've been watching a lot of horror movies lately but but also we do know that this arc has been inspired by horror movies according to uh ikuni so i'm like it just still almost feels horror like not just because it's sionji who's under your bed like the most terrifying monster <laughs> you could imagine but it's also just this character keeping a secret um, and somewhat like there's a figure all, like somewhere in the background that another character is unaware of. It's almost like it's like a funny scene. Like the dialogue is really funny. Like she talks about praying to God and even she thinks it's freaky behavior. Um, but it is also, I don't know, kind of terrifying to me. I would be scared if I knew Sionji was uh, around me, but I couldn't <laughs> see him anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a a lot about secrets in this episode and I feel like it's maybe significant that he calls her Joan of Arc because mm -hmm. she kept who she was a secret um and you know like pretended to be guy or whatnot and then Wakaba is like keeping Sionji a secret and that's like a huge part like she says it explicitly out loud right she's like I have a secret and that makes me special and it's sort mm -hmm. of like that parallel between Joan of Arc as as distant as it is kind of come across comes across in that I think for sure I think there yeah there's so much to read into the Joan of Arc thing like I think one Sionji probably can name like one famous woman like <laughs> for one dollar name a woman like that's his Sionji's response um but also I just I don't know there's something it's kind of sad that he's comparing her to like a martyr figure who mm. dies and she's also a very a virginal figure like that's she's mm. like the maiden um, so he's, I don't know, like still like creating this sort of distance between him and her where she's just like this maidenly figure that is like being a martyr for him. It's not romantic at all uh, in his mind, at least. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think about the martyr thing, but let's do it. Like how did, how did Joan of Arc's 
story end. Um, not great. <laughs> um, and I think we can kind of come back to that um, when we see what kind of like drives Wakaba um, to the duel. Um, so I have like some I, have, I love this episode so much. I have so many thoughts. Um, yeah. So this next sequence, I love so much. And it just like breaks my heart. Like Wakaba talking about um, the secret and like how this change, she feels changed having this secret. So like she, you know, we get, we see like Wakaba on campus thinking about Sionji, thinking about him doing kendo and thinking about like the girls like around him. And she says like, this is my secret, mine and his, a secret only we share. Um, he was a distant dream I thought I could never reach. And we see like the crowd, like, the, like hundreds of girls around Sayonji and she's like at the very back, like jumping up and down. And um, she says, um, when you think about it, I never could have had him. Now I'm special as long as I have this secret. Yes, I'm special. And we see her like turning down all these offers to like, she turns down watching Utina play basketball. Um, but again, it's always, it's always, it's not, do you want to play basketball? Do you want to watch you play basketball and then th- there's the other like less important girls who ask her to play volleyball but she still turns that down and she turns it down because she has something special now but gosh like this 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 like dialogue from her just breaks my heart uh the idea of like i am i am special only through through sayonji and we talked about the power of the gaze and the power of like being feeling connected to someone else and like Wakaba, she is so long, like defined herself through Utina, but now she has something like special that's only hers, but it's another person. Yeah, I think it's also interesting in the scene that, um, well, first of all, don't we get flashbacks here, like to the letter on the billboard? Yeah. Um, which I think is so awful that she's like talking about how much she's like so happy Sayonji's back but she's still thinking about that like horrible thing he did to her, but she doesn't even like bring that up, which is so it's like such a, like you said, heartbreaking sort of thing to think about. Like she, she remembers that she remembers this horrible thing he did to her and yet she can't help but but, like be so happy that he's even giving her attention. It's almost like she didn't see that as like a horrible thing he did, but like a horrible thing that happened to her. That was like a hurdle to get to him still. Mm. Um, which is, you know, it's it's a sad, uh, like, relatable thing when you are a young person who just really wants to be with someone, even if they treat you uh, not the best way. Yeah, it, like, raises the question of, like, how far could someone like Sionji go and she would be okay with it, you know, in terms of, like, mistreating her and stuff. And I think the same question can be raised for Utena as well. Like, I think that there's very little that Utena could do to make Wakaba uh, like hate her, you know? And I I think the saddest part of that whole monologue you were talking about, Christine, is that we finally get to hear what Wakaba was, was thinking all along in terms of, you know, her friendship to Utena. It was like, oh, to her, it wasn't just that she's good friends with her. It was that this was her way of being someone important in the world. And that that was the only way that she could feel any type of self-worth. And it's like really fucking sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think this would be a good time for me because I was going to wait to bring this up. But I think this would be a good time for me to bring up the, um, hold on, I had to change computers. Um, so I like lost what I had. <laughs> um, but uh, so at the, we haven't been like deciding them a lot because a lot of them is just him talking kind of 
nonsense but the the, the, the oh. ikuni commentaries mm-hmm. um like for the like the dvd released and uh but there's one and it's the one for the first arc of first episode of this arc and it's the last part of the little commentary that i just want to read because i think this is where it really comes into focus um he said one day I, a girl i saw on tv said there are only two types of people in this world the ones who are chosen and the ones who aren't chosen that gave me a start to not be chosen is to die said the girl i decided to try my hand at that the black rose arc um, and I think that's particularly relevant Whoa. with what happens with Wakaba and Sayonji in this episode to not be chosen. They're, they're the chosen and the unchosen, the special and the unspecial. And if you are not chosen, if you are not special, that is equivalent of death. Isn't and... that, sorry. No, go ahead. That's like, isn't that like identical to what Akio says later in the episode? Mm-hmm. I feel like he verbatim says that, that there are two types of people and that well, maybe you'll get to this. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get like, to that. But that's interesting that like that's directly like inspired by something in, in someone in Ikuni's life who said that, and he was like, you know what, <laughs> I'm gonna make the worst character in the show say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like like Wakaba, like she believes herself to not be inherently special mm-hmm. and to not be chosen, and but for Sayonji chose to go to her. And that is what makes her feel special in this moment. And so when that is torn away from her later, we'll get to that. Like you un- like you understand why that sends her um, to the elevator. I mean, and this idea comes back and we won't talk about it, in, but in Penguin Drum as well, this idea of being chosen or unchosen. Um, and I think that's an important theme. And like, I didn't want to bring it up at the beginning of the arc because I wanted to like us to get here, but that's it. this is the episode to me where that comes into focus. Um, mm-hmm. because these are all supporting characters we're honing in on. Mm-hmm. They are not the chosen ones. They are not in the opening credits, um, but they are in proximity to the chosen ones. And what does that do to you to be in proximity to those people and not have access to it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, like this, yeah, like you said, this is something we like could have brought up before, but I do think this is like maybe that idea like distilled down to its most like clear where the Wakaba has been this character who's like defined almost solely by her relationship to Utena. Um, so I think it makes sense to like, sort of like, we're getting to the end of the Black Rose arc, I guess it's not really a spoiler to say that we're kind of, we're on the tail end of things here. So I think it's, a, it, it makes sense to bring that idea up here as sort of like a, an end cap to like the entire idea we've been focusing on because you can see a lot of these other characters we've seen in Wakaba like I, this sounds a lot like Shiori like Shiori wanted to be close to Jury in different ways um because like everyone like all these characters um so yeah I, it makes sense that we just now brought it up so I just had a thought for the first time which is uh something that you you two talked about in your previous episode which is you know, like, why does Mikage not let the onion prince, like, go down the elevator? And I, I just had this thought, and it was like, well, maybe it's because he's, like, two degrees removed from the chosen ones. You know, maybe it's because he's, like, you know, he's not going down there for Utena or any of the, like, main characters. He's going down there for Wakaba, which is, like, too far removed from the, like, main storyline right to to be like in a meta way to be important enough for us to keep watching that and so Mikaga is just like nah dude like you're not you're not even close to the chosen ones what are you doing here you know I, I don't know that could be 
Yeah, no, I because like what I, I love about the Black Rose arc, I mean, I love the visuals, but I love like on a like a meta like narrative level what it's doing. Like, what does it mean to be a supporting character in someone's life? What does it mean to be a supporting character in a show called Revolutionary Girl Utena, where you are not important? Um, and what does that do to you to be in that story in this like world in this birdcage? Um, I, I just yeah, and and I just love this episode for the way it really <laughs> interrogates Wakaba as the kind of like wacky fun sidekick um, who's actually like. Re- really sad and, and like lonely um despite being in proximity to Utna um but we see her flourish because then the, ne- the next sequence after we see like that Wakaba has like given Sayonji like lunch money basically <laughs> um it's her succeeding I said it's Wakaba's girl boss moments like she's like a woman in STEM she's like answering math questions she's singing in the music class I noticed that when she's singing the music class like Utna's like back against the wall like she Utna's like not in the main frame um you know she's eating lunch with a big group of girls and like for once she's like at the center of attention um and not necessarily Utena um like the narrative shifts for like a couple days and it's all about Wakaba and it's but it's all because she believes herself to be special like nothing actually changed she just believes herself to be special now because of Sayonji Exactly. And I think it's interesting, like just before this scene, um, we get to see Utna and Wakaba from each other's perspectives, respectively. Like the one we see for Wakaba is when she's uh, like saying no to all these requests. We see the back of Utna's head when she's asking Wakaba to like watch her play basketball. We never see Utna's face in that moment, though. And then as this sequence, I believe, is about to start, like there's this little scene where uh Wakaba answers a question in class and it's like Utena staring at the back of her head but Wakaba like never turns around or anything or acknowledges uh that like Utena is even watching her um which I, I think is interesting like that uh even though it like Wakaba is like ostensibly like the main character of this episode we're still getting these sort of switching perspectives here and this idea of people watching each other or um not being aware of each other's presence and then we get to this next like scene after that little like montage where Utna basically is kind of like staring at Wakaba and Wakaba's like, what? And Utna asks something because good has happened to her. And she says she seems happier, even prettier, um, which is dusty behavior. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh, Wakaba, you look so pretty, um, <laughs> which is funny. But of course, Wakaba doesn't own up to it, like even to Utna, like this is her secret. You know, Wakaba and Utna are our best friends, but she doesn't like she doesn't tell her you know you would think that this happy thing you know she would want to share with Utsuna but part of it is that it is a secret because it's something she possesses like she possesses Sionji right now and mm-hmm. and like literally keeps him like locked in her like <laughs> in her dorm room um and if she were to like it's like the sunlit garden like it's like it's mm-hmm. and like the idea of like the, the bird cage like it is like trapped and the locket. It, yeah, the locket, like fixed in time. Like Sionji can't do anything right now. Like he like <laughs> he like he can't move forward. He is stuck there. And like as long as he's stuck there, he is Wakaba's. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like it's interesting that like the secret aspect of it is what's important to Wakaba. Um, because it is very much about possession. Because it's like if she told Utsuna, would that change anything? Like Sayonji would still be expelled. He would still not be like he would still be like couch surfing loser. Like that wouldn't change, <laughs> even if she said something. But it's the fact that like I'm sure in Wakaba's head, it's like, well, if I tell someone, then Sayonji has other options to go to. Because if Utsuna knows, mm-hmm. then he could just stay with Utsuna. So it's like it's so much easier for her to just lock that away where no one else can get to it which is why I love that the lock 
sound like the sound design in this episode is really fantastic and that's a really great sort of like punctuation mark they use in this episode is the sound of the lock clicking um in addition to lots of other like the cicadas uh humming uh there's a lot of like moments of no music just yeah like sound in this episode which i i uh, adds to all the amazingness we talked about in terms of visuals yeah and i wonder if part of Warkaba not wanting to tell Utena about Sionji is related to the fact that like Utena holds a lot of secrets from Wakaba. Like everything that's going on with Anthe and um everyone else in the student council, like Wakaba has no idea what's actually going on there. And I think that in her mind, the fact that she has a secret to keep is enough. Like the fact that Utena and everyone else seems to have it, like she's almost conflated in her mind this idea of being special with this idea of having a secret to keep in the first place. And so now that she has one, she's like, if I keep the secret, that means I'm just like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because that's something we always sort of ask about these uh, sort of these stories where like, there's these people who are in on whatever's going on. That's like otherworldly. And then there's everyone else. And we are always wondering like, how aware are the, is everyone else of the things that are going on here? Um, and so I, I think it's clear here, like you said, maybe on some level, Wakaba knows something else is really going on here. I mean, she's always the one walking with Utena, uh, with the exception of last week, to her locker where Utena gets these uh, like mm-hmm. dual notices. So you wonder if like Utena, she notices Utena like stops and like is like, oh, sorry, I have to go to the forest right now for uh, secret <laughs> things. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like on some level, I think uh, Wakaba is conscribing power or like power with knowledge in that sense. Mm. And unfortunately, um, oh no, my meeting's going to end in 10 no. minutes. <laughs> Do you want to switch to another one? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, let's let it run out and then let's get a few more minutes in and then. Okay. okay. Oh gosh, this is so funny. Okay. And then unfortunately, speaking of knowledge, we do have to get more horrible knowledge from the most horrible man, no. Akio. But Utina <laughs> is in a backbend the whole time she's talking to him. And when my coworker Lance watched this episode, he's like, he's just like DM because he's a first time watcher. He like DM me on Twitter being like talking about how crazy it was that Utina was in a backbend the whole time. It's like, yeah, that's just what she does. It's so funny. Like and he's in like Akio's in like a a pool like a pool lounge chair type of deal it's a it's a whole weird vibe but you know uh Utsuna like tells him about how Wakaba seems different and he asks if she's like a goddess whose name is recorded in the stars because he can't talk like a normal person um and then this is where he says the thing that you mentioned earlier like says you wouldn't understand you were born for a special destiny and then this is when the sunlit garden music starts playing mm-hmm. um uh, there are special people in the world, people who always draw attention. And he says that Utena is one of those people. And, and that's, he's, and she's like confused by that. And he's like, this is part of your nature. You were born with this. Most people exist as one among many, but given the chance they can shine as they never have before. Um, which is, yeah, like what we're talking about, this idea of the chosen and the unchosen. But like he says, you know, like he says, he goes on to say that like the time a person can be special doesn't last long. Um, so this is kind of like his like whole reminds me of like when he was talking about like how stars fade as they age, which is not true, mm. as Audrey told us. <laughs> um, but this is his idea of like you can be like these unspecial people can have it for a little bit, but they are not special by nature, so they can it is not theirs to own. 
Whereas Utena is special. She is always special by virtue of being Utena. Just some concerning thoughts thoughts from this man. <laughs> also, yeah, like you can tell that he's like really like talking about himself here too. He's just like, you know, some people like you and me are special <laughs> you know? like he's not saying it explicitly but that's like what he's like very heavily implying and I think it's part of his sort of like whole insecurity around uh you know stuff we don't won't get into now but I think it, it also is is part of feeding into that is that he constantly has to remind himself how special he is but yeah because he yeah. needs to talk about like you know, his obsession with the stars like he he's mm-hmm. like looking towards greatness towards like this like and his obsession with like yeah like like he's always talking about greek myths and like comparing you know he's again he he can't just like say things like as they are he needs to like make them sound you know like it's just this very like weird way of um viewing people and viewing the world and he's very much into power and we we don't you know we know he is vested in this dueling system somehow um based on like what we've seen him talking to the prince um but yeah, again, just another very concerning conversation for Macchio, um, especially, again, like talking to this young girl, telling her how special she is. And we know his relationship with Anthe is very concerning. Just, again, all around very concerning. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's it's funny that he's, like, telling Uchenna she's so special. But he's also, like we said, kind of creating that hierarchy. Even the people who are shining, like, he's still above her. He's still the one who's, like, mm. giving this information to her. He's still the one who gets to lounge in the, like, the chair while she's literally bending over backwards for him. Um, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like, it's, um, like, it's so interesting. Like, this whole arc is about this idea of, like, special versus non-special. And then even within the special, there's the even more special, apparently. Um, it's like, where does that end is I, like the question that's maybe starting to hopefully boil in people's mind. Like, okay, so who's the special among the special? Akio clearly thinks that's him. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I just think he's especially awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I do also want to note that he is using this idea of like shining, like this idea of like emitting light as mm. like the equivalent to being special. This is like an idea we've seen before more reference to like, things that are desired, like the idea of the shining thing we talked about with Miki way back when, um, uh, light comes out up a lot. And lately there's been a lot of darkness because of the blue, the Black Rose saga, but um, Akio is kind of bringing up light again, even more, but it's uh, again, like the shining thing, it's like not necessarily a good thing. Like, I don't, I don't know, like light isn't inherently good in the show. Uh, at least that's how I'm feeling in, in this moment. Well, because light does cast a pretty huge shadow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, one of my favorite parts of this episode comes, well, there's many favorite parts, but one of them comes right after what Akio says. And it's sort of like one of the last things that Utena says, where she's just like, all I ever wanted was Wakaba to be happy. And it's just like such a uniquely honest thing which I, I should be used to it by now from Utena because she constantly says all these like really honest genuine things but I think especially after like Akio's whole like fucking bullshit star shit uh, <laughs> just hearing Utena say something so like I don't know just loving it, it just I don't know resonates a lot with me and especially knowing what's going to happen ahead in the episode it was just like no <laughs> yeah this, yeah, I mean, oh. 
Mm-hmm. These two, Utena and Wakaba, this it's just this so it's so heartbreaking. It is, yeah. yeah. Like you understand instantly. I mean, we'll get there when we get to the duel. You understand why Utena's reaction is what it is. Um, but yeah, it, it's that she always Utena is providing a great sort of antidote to the Akio of it all, and in that she is like capable of expressing these genuine emotions, um, and their selfless emotions, and they're so unlike seemingly Akio, who it feels like everything he says is a lie or is an attempt to manipulate someone. Um, so it's it's I'm that's what I think makes me love Utena as a character so much is is that honesty and that candidness um even if she maybe isn't always the most self-aware person um she she I feel, still feel like she always thinks she's being honest even if maybe she isn't 100% being honest with herself yeah and maybe there's like a little bit of um that power thing there between Utena and Wakaba when she says all I want is like Wakaba to be happy it might be one of those things where you know she inherently sees herself as like above Wakaba and that she can make her happy in some way or like (laughs) force happiness upon her you know (laughs) like maybe it's one of those things where Utena doesn't realize that she's doing that but maybe it's coming from a genuine place of like equality with Wakaba and just being like listen I just want her to be having a good time (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, totally I mean yeah that's I mean it's also makes you think about the idea of the prince like the fi- the prince figure also is very much above whoever is being mm. saved in quotes like the her Utena's prince was uh if we can believe her memory like was quite a bit older and taller than she was so I think desiring that position of the prince is desiring a position of power over someone presumably yeah and because Wakaba has constantly called Utena like explicitly her prince and stuff like that it's like natural that Utena would assume that type of role with her right so in the we like in interspersed with this like conversation with Akia we're getting these shots of 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 Wakaba and Sionji and we see Sionji um that making some arts and crafts he, he's he's used his lunch money <laughs> to um make Wakaba like this little like hair clip type of thing it's like just like it's not finished yet he's like you know it's not done yet but this little leaf and this scene is really beautiful because he um he like gives it to her um he puts the leaf on her head and they're in they're standing in front of a mirror and she's looking at her own reflection with Sionji behind her um, and starts crying while looking at her own reflection. And he's like, this is the only, it's not, he's not, he's like, it's not very good, but it's all the only way I can thank you for your devotion. And it's staring at her own reflection with him in the frame. She says, this is enough for me. And oh, the scene's gonna be chills. This is so beautiful because- I just is, got goosebumps, dude. <laughs> she was saying that. It is, she's looking at her, again, this show's big on mirrors and reflections and it is looking in the mirror where she is moved to tears because she, it is in proximity to Sionji and he's finally returning the what she feels is the love she's wanted from him. And seeing that image, that is what like, is like fulfills her. And it's just, oh. Wakaba. It's be- <laughs> this episode is beautifully, beautifully framed. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I think it is definitely worth noting that she cries the single tear and it looks, it seems to be from the same eye that she cries the tear out of when um, she sees her note up on the wall, like uh, that mm. pretty infamous scene where it like runs down her cheek. But like we said, it's the mirror. So technically it's the other eye that has the tear falling out of it. So I believe in the the letter scene, it's the 
tear comes out of her left eye. So in this case, it'd be coming out of her right eye. And that's, I think, something worth noting because uh, it's not the last time we see tears in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, Christine, like what you're saying about her seeing herself in the mirror and she's the one in front, right? Like Sayanji is behind her and she's used to seeing herself constantly behind Utena and behind all these other people. So yeah, I think she thinks that, you know, she finally made it. She finally achieved what she wanted. She's finally special. And, you know, this hair clip will prove it to everyone. Yeah, because that's something other people will see. I didn't think about that because yeah. I was really focused on like the 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 reflection thing. But yeah, it's something she can wear and everyone will know she is special. It's a signifier. Yeah. And because like, I, I don't know what you two think about this, but like, I think that she wants Sionji eventually to be known by other like she wants him to get back into the school and she explicitly says like you know we'll get back we'll get you back and she wants him to be in his position of power in the school but she just wants him to be beside like her to be beside him um and i think that she thinks that if she just keeps him a secret for long enough then you know she won't be replaceable anymore and this hair clip is like a sign of that like now you know i've been devoted enough to be a permanent part of this person's life mm. so that when he goes back to school, you know, I'll also be a part of his life there. Right. Yeah. It's interesting to think about like uh, the like future in, for them, like in, I'm sure in her like idealized view, like that would be the end game, but you can also kind of imagine maybe she's okay with the eternal, locked up Sayonji the eternal sunset like the sunset that we see yeah. throughout the entire episode it's almost like frozen in time like we said before so it's uh, it's like I'm curious to see like if this had kept going would Wakaba be okay with him going back to school or would she maybe have a moment of thinking would I is the hair clip enough to keep him attached to me like I think I, I that's not really something that they explore in this episode but I think that's something really interesting to think about in terms of like how dedicated Wakaba could be to this secret if it got to that point. I think that's something that this whole saga has raised these interesting ideas we've talked about before. I think we talked about it a lot with uh, Thorns of Death, this idea of like, well, if Shiori had never um, like been part, like been a Black Rose duelist, I think this, we said we like, this probably still would have happened or like what if, what would have happened if she had killed Auntie? Like, it, this these episodes just raise so many amazing questions um mm. i love it <laughs> and it's interesting that we kind of we've kind of like been moving further and further away from the duelist having anything to do with anthi but now mm. we really circle back here because we have this conversation where with sionji's like because like um uh we see wakaba at, at the supermarket like buying meat and we hear her voice giving basically just giving sionji the tea um, and I liked saying what's up. And then I just love that Miss Arisagawa is the same as always. Like, because <laughs> like Jury's like, so like no one can know what's going on with me ever. <laughs> like Jury's still that, Jury's still a bitch. Like that's, that's the only <laughs> update basically. Um, cause she gives him other updates, but that's, I just broke down that line because I thought that was funny. And, but he, he's not looking at her. Um, like he like turns his face away and then asks how Anthe is doing and the way like Wakaba's face falls and she says, oh, Hememia, you mean? Because he uses Anthe, uses, and, but she's like trying to put more distance um, between it. Um, and we see her holding the meat in the supermarket, like 
like crushing the meat basically (laughs) being like if Sionji goes back to school like again what we were talking about what what would happen if Sionji goes back to school if he stops living with me he'll forget about me and then that's the moment where Mamiya plucks the black rose like up until now like you know there's been very little black rose interference with this but it's like Mamiya plucks the black rose and then of course Mikaji um uh shows up in the next scene uh with a little jump scare while Sionji's working on the leaf (laughs) I laughed out loud this time when I saw Mikage there because the first time I saw it, I didn't really think much of it. But then I was like, this is just like two men in my episode. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like shows up there. And it's like, how did you get in here, dude? <laughs> and apparently like they know each prop. other. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's like, oh, hey, Mikaji. Uh, really funny. <laughs> yeah. All weird dudes know each other. That's just like a fact of life. That's the um, moral of Utina. All weird yeah. dudes know each other. <laughs> yeah um i do think it's uh, yeah the meat like the supermarket scene i think also is interesting because we get this like little diagram of meat again this idea of livestock coming up mm-hmm. of like slaughter things being used for consumption living things being used for consumption um yeah just something a little detail worth noting but yeah i i, I love again the sound design like i like that the rose gets plucked as like there's like an announcement over the st- <laughs> like the supermarket speaker um it's yeah I love this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um so like yeah Sayonji like knows Mikaji apparently and like I mean we can presume like the whole like what Mikaji was doing before he because like Mickey knew who he was Hmm. um but basically uh you know Sayonji's like oh I don't plan on wasting my life away in here um he's like I'm gonna he's like I'm gonna return to the student council I'm gonna you know be great again and and Mikaji's like well how do you plan to free yourself from this purgatory I think the word purgatory is interesting um because he's trying to like Mm -hmm. he's fallen from a place and he is trying to rise again to this place again that the student council like they meet in a tower um we talk about going up and going down um and Mikaji offers him help he says we were worried about the school's future like implying that like we need Sayonji there uh <laughs> and this is of course we know like this is all a ruse just to get Wakaba to go to the elevator <laughs> like like Sayonji's as you mentioned Sushi Sayonji's just as much a pawn in this episode yeah. as Wakaba is um it is just a, this is all a means to get Wakaba to pull his sword yeah uh- and I think it's definitely worth noting that Wakaba doesn't even come up in their conversation. Like at no point is Sayonji like, oh, also I'm going to have this super cool girlfriend with me. That's like, <laughs> like she is not factoring into his plans at all. Like it's very clear here that she's just like a means to an end, like you said. Um, but yeah, fortunately, or I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, Sayonji is not in as much power as he assumes he is, I think, in this moment. Um, and I think it's, yeah, very telling that he's so happy or like does not give a shit that he has to give this hairpin to Mikagi he's like oh that stupid thing I made because I was bored because I have to sit in here for like 24 hours a day sure you can have that do whatever you want to do with it it reminds me of the the him giving away the hair clip reminds me of um like Wakaba's conversation with the onion prince about how precious the memory was to her and how it wasn't precious to him like Mm -hmm. to, to Wakaba this is a precious such a precious item but Sayonji is willing to just give it away. Because because of the power attached to it, right? Like to him, like for Wakaba, that clip holds power, but to Sayonji, it doesn't. And But Mikage holds power. And so giving it to him will give Sayonji more power. So mm-hmm. it's all about this like, 
yeah interplay of of this this these special people exchanging power and then giving a little bit to the commoners <laughs> you know once in a while and how quickly that's taken away yeah because totally. then the next scene it, we cut straight to Wakaba walking on campus walking by Anthe and seeing her with the hair clip and the way she like whips her head around in her face god like, that uh, scene so, oh, it, that it feels like a horror movie <laughs> Literally, yeah, yes. I mean, the- oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're go ahead. Yeah, a, a lot of like, yeah, from that moment on, like, as soon as the Black Rose gets involved, it really turns horror. Like, yeah, the the Auntie moment because it. She's also Auntie's like walking at the very edge of the screen. Like I was looking at the way that they framed it, and she's like barely noticeable. You know, at the very edge, and then like the hair clip is on the right side of the screen too, so you could like possibly miss it but then they zoom in and then walk up a whips her head and it's just like yeah the, the framing is just so fucking amazing in this episode mm-hmm. yeah and it's like that we get that wide shot of the two of them um and it's like they're so far apart from each other and very small on the screen it's like it took wakaba that long to like process it i mean it was almost like she was in shock um like it was a very traumatic thing to see that and i what i think is really interesting um from this moment on, I think we only see Wakaba angry until the end of the duel. Like she always, she's like, she looks like furious in that moment. And then she looks angry later. We'll get to that after the elevator scene. She looks like pissed off, um, which I think is really fascinating. It's not at all like the love letter scene where she was heartbroken. Her face was like almost like refusing to show emotion. Here she is. She's pissed. Wakaba is fully unhinged in this moment. And I love it. I think, well, because it was like sort of within her grasp, right? So now she feels like she's been wronged. Whereas before Mm -hmm. she just like wrote the letter without really thinking anything would come of it and expecting nothing probably. Uh, But, you know, not not expecting that it would be shown publicly to the whole school. (laughs) So obviously that was sad. But um, yeah, now like I think she's, she feels almost, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but like entitled to something for the first time in her life. And now that's been taken away. So suddenly I think she feels like very, um, you know, like anyone would angry at that situation. Wakaba based femcel. No, no, but <laughs> I'm joking when I call her femcel. But it is true. Like she, like before now, she did not think she was like worthy of this. And now she's been shown like, this is something she can have. Um, but she just doesn't, like it's taken away from her. And like that, oh, this to me is like the most like, I mean, this this episode and like this like elevator sequence and Shiori's elevator sequence are my favorites of this of this um, arc because they just feel like the most like viscerally like I get it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, I I I'm not like Shiori but like I get like being being gay and angry and not understanding <laughs> it and like I get what how Wakaba feels like feeling like she like something has been taken from her. And that she is like empty without it. And that there's like the world is unfair because the world is unfair, (laughs) (laughs) but not in the way she's conceptualizing it in this, uh, you know, in this elevator sequence. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's especially significant that it's like Anthe wearing the hair clip and that it's Anthe who uh, like, quote unquote, took Utena away from her as well. Right. Like, I think it's like very significant that it's Anthe in both cases wronging Wakaba but in the first case like because Wakaba genuinely loves Utena like she doesn't want to I think she knows that she has to be nice to Anthe for Utena to keep you know being friends with her but with Sayonji like 
she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck about Anthe's relationship to Sayonji, you know, so she like lets herself get mad at Anthe about it in that situation. Mm. Right. And I mean, that's something I, I think Christine and I like talked about it a little off pod, but I think this is maybe would be a good time to talk about this idea that, you know, maybe this episode, maybe these feelings aren't solely about Sayonji for Wakaba. Maybe, maybe we're uh, our favorite word projecting a little here. Maybe Wakaba is really pissed at Auntie for taking her prince away from her, her actual prince, Utena. Um Wakaba and, gay question mark? Mm-hmm, <laughs> yes. Wakaba gay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wakaba gay as hell. I mean, yes. yeah, if we would have talked about that now, this idea, like, you know, it's not really something that the show, or at least in this episode, like, really, like, fully, like, leans into. But I think that reading is there, and it's very easy to make that reading of, like, the same thing happened. Like, Auntie, like you said, took, in quotes, Utena away from Wakaba like uh, we only ever see Utena with uh, like we see Utena with Auntie way more than we see with Wakaba anymore um and like really Wakaba's okay with that um I think this episode is saying "Mm, I don't think Mm. she is okay with it um and now she has maybe a more socially acceptable uh avatar to you know place those feelings onto like oh well here's a man that I can you Mm. know project that on a little here um you know Wakaba gay Wakaba gay exclamation point. Yes. <laughs> Wakaba, the, the very, very gay. <laughs> I I absolutely think that like all the like my um theory that I get convinced of more and more every day is that this is like a whole show. The whole show is about combat, like compulsive heterosexuality and all those things. And mm-hmm. like you can see it with Utena, you can see it with Wakaba in this episode as well. I think that it's exactly what you were saying, Derek, with like um you know, like, I'm pretty sure Wakaba genuinely has a crush on Utena and, like, loves her in a way that is, you know, different from just a platonic relationship. But because that's not a socially acceptable thing and that's not a way that you can, you know, there is a limit to how much power you can gain from just being friends with someone. And if you happen to have a gay relationship, well, you lose power through that, as has been shown with, you know, like, jury and and you know, all these other ways. And um, so I think that Wakaba just has no choice. Like she sees being with a man as the only way that she can climb that social ladder. And so she clings on to the <laughs> the lowest rung of that ladder <laughs> that she thinks she has access to um, because he seems more accessible. And, you know, when he's literally in, in purgatory, she can do that. Um, so, yeah, I think Wakaba gay. Wakaba gay and she is in this elevator. So this is this elevator sequence. We kind of like start mid elevator sequence because we start with the caterpillar. We don't start with the butterfly, which I thought was interesting. And this is a this is a shorter one. So Um, sorry, but like the the hair clip is a leaf. Yeah, I wonder if the leaf is because it's usually there's a leaf at the beginning, right? It's the leaf at the end because it's it's reverse because it starts with the butterfly and then goes down. Mm-hmm. but i don't anyway, know if I we see the leaf either at the end this was weird we, we don't get the emphasis on the imagery like we usually do yeah um mm-hmm. yes, but so i did not think about the fact that it's a literal leaf and we've been seeing a leaf in every episode <laughs> yes um yeah i just like, we don't like you said we don't get the focus on it like we usually do like this whole elevator sequence seems very like uh not normal and like we get we start with like the ding and it's like not even on screen it's like we hear the mm-hmm. ding as we're still seeing looking at wakaba's face and then we, like like you said, go mid-elevator scene 
Um, and I, I was like paying attention to the frame and I, it looked like maybe things were going out of sequence. Like I, th I think we got Caterpillar, but then we got, I'm pretty sure I saw like the pupa or the cocoon, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it next. So I don't know. I mean, that could easily just be an animation error, but we don't like to do that here. We like to no, we <laughs> just assume everything's every frame is intentional <laughs> and we will make it feel, we will shove it, shove meaning onto it. Um, but I, I do think this like whole elevator sequence feels very disjointed and the ending where Wakaba, like I said, looks angry. She looks so determined in that moment. I feel like everyone else, there's like a moment of hesitation at the end. Like like a lot of, we've seen at least twice, maybe three times people like be shocked and like get stabbed with the rose almost like by force. But I don't, I'm like, we don't see it happening, but I feel like maybe Wakaba probably didn't put up a fight there. She probably knew what was about to go down and she was ready. She was ready to release that anger and kill Anthe in that moment. Mm -hmm. um so i think uh, there's a lot of ways this elevator scene feels very special and yeah like like everything i'm looking at like as i write for these elevator sequences i always write down the exact dialogue and like pretty much everything she's saying is like stuff she was saying in the supermarket like like mm -hmm. she's not really saying anything new she's like you know talking about you know, like um you know, no matter what I do in the end, she's the only one he's ever cared about. The girl with the face says she alone is special, will steal everything away from he me. All I'll ever be is a face in the crowd. Special people may as well live in another world, but as long as I had him, as long as he lived with me, I could be special too. Um, and these are all things like she was articulating like in her voiceover, this idea that she was a face in the crowd and that Sayonji made her special. Um, but that, like she says a little longer and I would have changed myself forever. Um, but then that girl being auntie, but this idea that like, oh, she just feels like she, like she, if I, like the idea that like, oh, if I'd just been with him a little longer, I would have been permanently special. Um, I mean, and this goes to show it really wasn't about Sionji. Um, like it, it's again about his, who, what he represents and her proximity to him. It's not, like, she's not actually like, I don't think. That. She does not give a fuck about seaweed, man. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Who among us does? Like, let's be real. <laughs> I will say this episode is where Sionji did start to grow on me. I do think Sionji's a fun character. And this is the oh, episode where he becomes I, a very fun character for me. Yeah. Once I saw him scurry I, up from another bed, I was one over. I fully agree with Mikage's assessment of him at the end. I mean, it's also Jury's assessment too, where, you know, we'll keep the fool around for laughs. Yeah, the I'm clown totally of the cool. student council. <laughs> yeah. It's here. <laughs> and they, they all need him, right? They need someone to be at the bottom of the social hierarchy. So <laughs> it works out. Exactly. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, so like Wakaba's elevator sequence is relatively short. And again, we, we don't get that same, like, it's not like Shiori's where it's just like all these contradictions. And, but it's so like, again, direct and lines up things she was saying outside the elevator. But the sword pulling scene is really intense because this is yeah. like, oof, this is brutal because she like, um, you know, Oh, we see Sayonji putting on his uniform, talking about like how Makashi helped him for, in exchange for that little thing. Um, again, the difference in, in importance of that thing to the two of them is stark. And where <laughs> he says, all systems go. Kyuichi Sayonji sets course for a new age of glory launch. And I wrote, <laughs> fucking nerd. He's such a loser. It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, he totally, you know, saw Jeff Bezos in his rocket and was like, that's me now, baby. Oh, man, he would be such an Elon Musk fanboy. I have the same Fuck. Absolutely, he absolutely is into crypto. He was just, like, defending him in Twitter NFTs. comments. NFTs. <laughs> um, 
and but then walk i think it's funny that wakaba jump scares him yeah. <laughs> like cause he, this is this feels very horror movie because she's basically like going somewhere which is a very uh, was it like derek wasn't in our group chat with audrey where she mentioned something about misery or was that Steve who said that someone said something about like wanting to photoshop um wakaba as kathy bates from misery i think maybe audrey said that <laughs> but that's what that's what so. this feels like um this like oh you think you're leaving um actually you're not um because he like you know he apologizes for you know being a bother he says he's going to go back to his old world um i thought it was an interesting choice of words she does not live in his world um and he's like you know i'll buy you something expensive sorry about the hair clip like you know it wasn't that nice anyway um i'll mail it to you and she says well i have something nicer now and she says in the ring and he gets scared and then she like the way she like the way it's animated with the way she lunges forward as the background turns to red and she very forcibly pulls his sword from him. It is one of the more brutal sword pulling scenes. Cause I realized that with jury's sword pulling scene, um, like she already like touches her chest and like jury's sword like comes out of her. Like jury, like I saw someone tweet today, like drawing attention to the fact that like jury, like, gives up her sword basically yeah. <laughs> like by, like being touched by shiori but like wakaba pulls it from him and she that like this is honestly like probably the most horror episode out of all of them from my memory of it like the way yeah the way that she lunges is like those those frames are like i feel like they did like barely any frames of animation in that because it happens so fast that you could blink and miss it of just her standing and then lunging and pulling the sword out of him um, and yeah, there's like no love there. There's no like real emotion towards him. He's just a tool for her. He's literally just a sword for her at this point, um, like to express her anger. Right. Yeah. I think this uh, like definitely sort of, like fits into that idea we've had of like, it's not really about Sayonji here. Like it literally is not about Sayonji in this moment. Like I'm just going to yank this out of the, like, he's just some dude um, that she can pull a sword out of. Uh, and she's, she's ready to just kill Amdi for, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of reasons i guess we're finally uh, finally got back to someone who actually wants to kill out because the past few fabulous <laughs> like really wasn't a good fit but we finally got someone who actually has a reason to want to kill on um, and she is ready um but first we have to go to our girls our shadow girls so it's raining on the dueling forest it's like a sun shower which is important to the uh shadow play scene so the the shadow girls um it's uh a fox girl and a rabbit girl and the fox girl says at last the rain has come when rain falls on a sunny day we have to marry and fast for our fox girls it's our custom and then the rabbit girl says you guys are lucky we have to wait for it to snow on a sunny day before we can get married for us rabbit girls it's the law and then utina says what's wrong with being single and then the girl starts crying <laughs> um i just uh so obviously to me this is obviously setting up this idea of like there are two kinds of people um and the idea that there are rules in that people we were all governed by that we in the rules we have to like the roles we have to play in a society we live in a society <laughs> um and uh what was i gonna say it, it just reminds me of um well i just think the interesting thing is like that for the fox girls it's custom and the rabbit girls it's law so it's like not like i don't know if that's significant but it's like they're not on the same playing field there right um, yeah, they they create this hierarchy, but it's still like they're creating creating a hierarchy, but they're both trapped in a system. Like they're saying it is like it's like a negative thing. Like we can only marry at this time, and we have to do it quick, and it's law or it's custom. Like we have to. 
Um, but even within this like, like system of oppression, they're still trying to like, be like, oh, well, you know, you think you have it bad. I have it like, I don't know. It's just this very interesting idea of like, I mean, it's like we were talking about how they, the, there's special people among the special. This is almost like the reverse. It's like among the non-special, there's people who considers themselves more special than the other non-special people. Um, yeah, and of course, marriage again definitely plays into last week's. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting that like for one of them, it's like uh, like rain and sun at the same time, but for the other, it's like sun and rain and sun and sun and snow at the same time which is like significantly harder right so it's like you know these like inequalities but then I also think that it's not like you know there's these two types of people in the world that they know of but then Utena comes in and she's just like why not just not get married and so she's just like she's saying well there is actually a third type of person in this world and maybe because the shadow play girls aren't one of the special chosen ones they can't even perceive of that option at all but Utena is outside of that she's a special one so she can even see that that's an option in the first place mm, yep exactly and I mean yeah that's also worth noting that these shadow I mean obviously the show itself is it like 2d um, but like even within the world of the show the shadow play girls are even more 2d like they don't have as far as we know like a physical form beyond just like these shadows so there's like that level of like the characters outside of that have maybe more perspective or they can see things that these, these like shadow play girls can't. Um, and I, I, that's kind of been the theme of the, sh the black rose uh, shadow play sequences where Utena feels like she can like speak to their problems as if she has any understanding of what it's like in this like shadow play world. Mm, totally. Yeah. Like she's coming in as an outsider every single time and maybe that's how it feels like to Wakaba and the rest of the you know normal people in school mm. it's like what would you know you, you'd like have no idea what it's like to be you know a shadow on the wall <laughs> exactly <laughs> so then we go up to the dueling arena and this uh this always sticks out to me the way the look on Utina's face when she realizes what's happening so first of all we've got the different um leaf clips those are the, the dueling object on the tables and they're all different colors they're like all like the different so like everyone is color-coded in the show and you know Wakaba had the brown leaf and that was taken for her and given to Anthi and we see like everyone else's colors on on the different tables and uh like as Wakaba's swearing on the black rose the camera just like stays on Utena and Anthi's faces and Anthi's like Anthe, both of their faces are like Anthe is so serious and she's like pull the sword pull the sword and she's like I can't like um I can't use the sword against my friend and um Wakaba charges and says she's going to kill Anthe and then we get this shot that's reminis reminiscent of when Sionji attacked Utena and Toga saved her because we get like the wide on um, the it was around a red background then it's on the white background the silhouettes and just the and then the close-ups on each of their faces and the way they're lit. That's what I was talking about earlier. Like the way the close-ups in this duel are lit is just really beautiful. And it's just a hell of a way to start this duel. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that like Anthes like understands the like weight of what's happening here. I think that's why she, she seems like very urgent. She's like, Utana, I like I know you're like struggling right now, but you have to pull the sword or she's gonna kill like me. Um, I like it's very like not auntie like usually we're so used to her being kind of very stoic 
bystander but here she's like actively like come on you gotta pull the sword like hurry up like um i think that's really interesting that auntie's kind of like even though she's supposed like supposedly a very passive part of this whole dueling sequence she's like very insistent in this moment to utina probably because her life's on the line you know that probably has something to do with it yeah like i wonder if this is like one of the few times where anthe is like legitimately scared <laughs> because she doesn't know whether you know like um <laughs> trying not to spoil she doesn't know whether like you know utena will actually save her this time you know whether her love for anthe that has been or her devotion to anthe or whatever she thinks that utena has for her has been cultivated enough for it to override utena's friendship with wakaba she maybe genuinely doesn't know that um and yeah like the face like utena's face when like she first sees Wakaba, because we don't see i think the way that it was shot is that we see utena and anthe walk up and we see their faces and only after Utena's reaction do we see the Wakaba's there. And obviously we know in advance that she's there, but it's just like, the again, the framing is just so beautiful. And I don't think I've seen like Utena look so beautifully devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe the only other time is when, um, like in episode 10 or 11, when she loses to Toga is like when she makes that kind of face. So yeah, we get this like really big buildup to like the reveal of of wakaba dueling i mean like like you said sushi we know she's there but it's just uh the, again very very beautifully framed and set up and and you know that clash that like starts the dueling song and uh wakaba like you know uta asks her what happened you were shining so brightly you know we talk about bringing back the idea of like you know people can only shine for a certain amount of time um and then uh wakaba says you, you you're not capable of understanding and on the, meanwhile, Auntie's still trying to get Utena to pull the sword, and Utena won't pull the sword because she's just trying to like talk to her friend. And uh, we get like the flashbacks. This is seen the stool is interspersed with the flashbacks of Wakaba talking about Sionji for the first time, and um, like uh, like something happens that like where like Wakaba like knocks Auntie down, and Utena gets between them, and like Wakaba's slashing at her with the sword. I mean, and this whole like scene is just like you know, Utena's refusal to pull the sword is so powerful. Um, like, because that is part of the, that is the, the the mechanics of the duel. You pull a sword, but like, she's choosing not to. And and just that makes Wakaba's like anger towards her even more stark because Utena's like not even putting up a fight. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. That, I mean, she never does pull the sword. Like she um, uses uh, Wakaba's sword against her. I think that's really significant. I think, um, maybe in a, du- a different show like the struggle would be Utna would like not want to pull it but eventually she'd pull it and you know use it but I, I think it is obviously very significant that she never even does like Amthi like honestly didn't even have to be there um if you really think about it in that sense like because Amthi's there to I guess provide the sword but the sword never comes out um but yeah I, I love that and I love the animation in this duel a lot like it's some really amazing fluid animation going on here um and uh, lots of really great expressions um lots of look of terror on a lot of people's faces like we said like um this idea of like this being a very horror episode in a very horror inspired uh arc yeah i noticed the really fluid animation thing too like especially once um like wakaba and Utena really get into it and like 
like they're like thrown on the ground and even this just like small moment where like Anthe's on the ground and she like just like whips her head towards the and is just like grab the sword now and like her just just like that movement of her turning towards which is like they, they put so many frames into that and they made it so fluid and it's like they really want us to know that this is super important and I think it contrasts especially with like previously an episode where there are a lot of still shots right there's this like these still shots of Wakaba walking to her house and there is a still shot of her being with Sayonji in class and so yeah I feel like that contrast really shows how important this this part of the episode is absolutely yeah and um it's we like obviously Uchino uses a lot of reused animation uh but this is um very like like you said it's very special which I think is it's significant that that they use it for this character who the idea of being special is so important. Like she's getting the star, she's getting the budget. Like she gets like, they went all out for her duel, um, which I really love. Like, I feel like um, the create, the people who make the show recognize Wakaba's specialness, even if she can't see it uh, at any given moment. (laughs) Yeah. And And you had, um, Sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but no, um, you should. You're the guest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like I feel like there's like a lot of these things that make this duel especially special. It's like the fact that Utena never pulls the sword out of Anthe. It's the fact that Anthe has to ask Utena to do it. It's the fact that, like, um, you know, like they they used all this like really new animation sequences, and the fact that Utena uses Wakaba's sword to fight her is just like yeah, it really makes this episode so unique from all the others in the Black Rose duel and even the ones before and, and after that come. Yeah, and like the, the image of Wakaba like pulling her up by the hair is like oh. so personal. Like it's, cause like, and it, like, so we talk about characters being defined by the color of their hair. Like that is so personal. Like when Toga, like everybody's like, like the other times you've seen people touch Utena's hair is when like Toga, mm. it's just like, and then like to see this happen here, it's like uh, the, the kind of the brutality of that. Um, and, you know, we get more of like Wakaba's, you know, femcel stuff, you know, you and that girl, you all look down on me, you use your special gifts you were born with and trample the rest of us. Um, and yeah, like, so like Wakaba, like, you know, makes another charge at her and Utena like stops the sword. And I just love the shot of them, like their heads together. And she's like holding her hands and she says, like, I, there's a lot about this. I don't understand. I think it's really cool. I, I, we don't we, we often hear Utina talking about things she doesn't fully understand like I think about like the 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 Jerry Shiori situation she's like I don't really know what's going on here but here's my advice but for Utina be like I don't understand this um but I know you're my best friend and you're one of my closest friends and I'm going to save you I mean Utina the prince she's mm-hmm. and I love the choreography of their feet like the the ways they like kind of like shuffle around and she gets Wakaba's sword and cut well it, it's Sionji's sword I think it is she it is Sionji's sword oh. that cuts Wakaba's rose it is mm-hmm. it's, it's not Wakaba's sword and like that is significant that it is Sionji's sword given the way he has like kind of destroyed her um, by <laughs> yes. giving away this this leaf and the, the my favorite shot of the episode my favorite shot of the whole show is where they're like both still holding hands and they both are falling back in opposite directions and the the bright light behind them and like we see Utena falling back and then Wakaba falling back and then the single tear and it's just beautiful mm-hmm. and and Nutana doesn't let her fall to the mm. ground. Like she doesn't let her be disgraced. You know, she's just like, I'm going to save you. And like, she's, she never fights Wakaba. She's just like, you know, and, and the way that she cuts the sword is like the, the rose is like very instant in a moment, mm-hmm. you know, and there's like no, like 
you know, she's not like looking down on Wakaba. There's no, yeah, there's no disgrace associated with her loss. Um, but of course, in Wakaba's mind, like the the whole situation is very like disrespectful to her, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love that moment too. And um, that little moment of dialogue between them too. Like it's very much when Wakaba was telling Utsuna way back after uh, Toga beat Utsuna in that duel. Like she's like, I don't fully understand what's going on here, but I'm going to get you out of this funk, Utsuna. Like it's Utsuna's returning the favor here in that moment. Um, so even then it's like not even really, there's not that element of uh, power um, difference where it's like, I'm going to save you. Like, again, it's like, you've done this for me before as my friend, I'm going to return the favor now for you. And that's why, like you said, it's significant that it's not Utsuna cutting Wakaba's sword and she falls or she's like at a lower level like they're both on equal ground here like arced um away from each other um and like I mentioned before the tear falls but it's falling on the right side um not the left side so I'm almost to me it looks like that tear of maybe not like the tear of joy that she felt before but maybe like a tear of relief like finally this moment is over I don't have to fight my best friend anymore. I can let go of this whole Sayonji thing. I like that tear to me is not a tear of like sadness. Uh, at least that's how I see it in that moment is maybe what Wakaba is thinking. Yeah, so. I feel like, yeah, the tear, like it, it's a different kind of sadness, right? Like mm-hmm. it feels like a sadness of, of finally giving up almost like a different sadness from when she found like her letter put out or when Sayonji gave her the, the hair clip it's like a sadness of just like okay this is actually the end for real (laughs) um and like when it comes to utena like saying you know i i don't understand what's going on like even that is so different from the previous times that she said that um in so many ways and i feel like i'm a little like harsh <laughs> to Tenet in, in my videos where I like constantly call her a himbo and make fun of her. But like, <laughs> I, I think that like, she's, I don't know, like it's her genuineness, especially in, in this whole episode in general. And it's the fact that like any one of us in that situation would have no idea what's going on. Right. Like, it's like, I just saw you at school and you were doing fucking amazing. And you told me that everything was fine. And now you're here, like fighting my other friend wanting to kill her because of Sayonji who hasn't been to school in months like what is going on (laughs) yeah so before so I have notes from our Greek mythology correspondent Audrey on the dual song but did y'all have any thoughts on the dual song I just wanted to like give you a chance before because I did not really understand it until Audrey explained it to me so I just was curious if anything jumped out to y'all uh yeah i it just it slapped it sounded it's a good, good song it's it's one of yeah, the cooler ones slapped. in terms of the, the sound of it um i yeah i don't know anything about greek mythology so. well audrey again she's not here but she is so so the <laughs> this song is making reference to uh, troy and pyrrhus and so i like googled pyrrhus and it came up like the greek general who that pyrrhic victories are named after it's like when you like mm. win but the, the losses are so great it's like basically a loss. I don't know. But Audrey said, no, this is not referring to that general. So it's referring to Achilles' son, who is more, she says, I think is more often called Neptilemos. Um, and so in the song makes reference to an aging king. And the aging king is Priam, king of Troy. Um, so Achilles killed Priam's son, Prince Hector. And Priam was forced to beg for his son, for his son's body back for a funeral. 
Um, later, after Achilles dies, Pyrrhus brutally kills a helpless Priam and his family on an altar during the sack of Troy. So it's this whole cycle of violence and revenge between these two families during the Trojan War. My interpretation of the song is, this again, this is all from Audrey. My interpretation of the song is, is about this moment where Pyrrhus could have chosen to either continue this violence or step away because the war was over at that point. His decision to kill Priam and his family was 100% motivated by rage. And by doing so on Zeus's altar, he desecrates a holy space and helped bring down the wrath of the gods and the Greeks. For how I think this is re relevant to Utena, I think Pyrrhus's decision here is meant to invoke the decision of the Black Rose Duelists to become people embroiled in this mythic struggle of the Rose Duels. Pyrrhus was not otherwise a notable figure, hence why you would think of the Greek general, historical Greek general, um, in any accounts. So the fact that he only becomes remembered by us through an act of personally motivated brutal violence that, defi that defied the gods seems relevant. The song is also notable in that it recounts a narrative, it just recounts a narrative occurring in one instant and does not mash together references and images from various cultural spaces. We get a deep dive into the conflict between two people and especially Pierce's emotions. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, thank you, Audrey. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the idea of like, um, again, like Pierce, like not being otherwise notable and what makes him important to the narrative of history or the narrative of this myth um, that he's remembered through this brutality in the same way, like Wakaba's moment in the spotlight is ultimately her becoming a Black Rose duelist. Mm -hmm. Ugh, yeah. So sad. <laughs> yeah, and being motivated so by hate, by being motivated by hate towards yeah. Anthe, even though we know she is not a hateful person. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I think it's great. And like, I, I like that note that it's a very specific story it's not like like audrey said the, this mishmash of other like ideas or words or phrases it's if it makes sense that because it feels like we're so honed in on these the lives of these people these black rose duelists but especially the, the relationship of wakaba and utina which has like it's not always the like the most significant relationship in the show but it feels very significant it feels very special to us um even if it's not always the focus um, so I think it makes total sense that they maybe would save this song for this duel in particular, because like, like the animation, this feels so significant because it's Utena's <laughs> bestie. Like, uh, like they're, it, yeah, it just, it deserves an amazing song. Um, and I love Audrey's interpretation of it mm -hmm. all. I think what makes it especially sad for me is that this is what, like, I feel like the songs in some way could be interpreted as like the inner inner lives of the duelists right and like to walk about this is the point at which she becomes important like if she manages to kill Anthe, that's what will finally make her important enough a special person but the truth is that like we've mentioned several times she already is special right like she already is in the narrative and in so many episodes and she all it takes is her thinking that she's special to actually make it so because nobody knows that Sionji is living with her. Nobody mm -hmm. knows what's actually going on. It's all in her head in this way. And and when when she does think that she's special, then the episode really does focus on her, right? Like we see her flourishing and everything. So anyway, just that just <laughs> it's a very sad episode. <laughs> yeah, sad episode. Yeah. Thank you, Audrey, for that interpretation. That definitely adds to my understanding mm -hmm. of the episode. So thank you for knowing about Greek mythology. Because every time I Google it, I'm like, I understand this. And then she says something. I was like, okay, I didn't understand this. Because <laughs> I'm like, just like skimming the first three sentences of Wikipedia. Um, so after the duel, we get um, Mikaji Beast just basically moved being like, damn, foiled again. Those kids got me. Um, yeah, might as well keep the fool around for some laughs. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
again like, turn into a monkey again or something yeah. <laughs> fun. um and then of course we get you know Sayonji walking back into school framed by his roses he's back framed by green roses again he is back in the main narrative he's a main character again and i love jury nikki and anami talking shit basically jury's like is he gonna come back to student council and like totally harsh the vibe like <laughs> um and like mickey's of course wondering how he's got his expulsion reversed um because mickey's the only one who's like really really like he's like we should figure out what's going on here like <laughs> the nami's like int- like only interested in it when she can like play at power but mickey's like okay like there's actually something going on here and this is weird <laughs> whereas jury's like oh the, the fucker <laughs> <laughs> but just funny because yeah uh, she you would think like mikake she'd be happy the clown of student council's back in town the circus is back in town um i think i think maybe on some level she is she yeah. likes having like i mean like you said like this they like having their lower rung to quote uh jara <laughs> sophia from rupaul's drag race they need someone to go home first that's, that's who. <laughs> but <laughs> nanami, that nanami does say she's like oh i heard the black rose had something to do with it so again the, the black mm-hmm. rose circle is like rumored in the school um and we're again student council's right now is not really investigating it too well <laughs> they're just like okay that's what's happening um but then <laughs> of course the haunting image this episode like ends on is wakaba walking home to her empty room <sighs> says and as the credits come up she says i'm back to no one and again chills it's just heartbreaking so fucking sad because it's the exact same imagery as at the beginning but you know where at the beginning she was just like embarking on this new adventure now it's like everything has ended and like i don't know i guess this is never like made clear but does she remember the duel is she also an exception in that she actually remembers what happens i don't know Mm. Mm mm-hmm yeah, I feel like this is something that I'm always tracking with these episodes, and I feel like I've very firmly come to like come on the side of they absolutely do remember at least on some level. There's like there's a change. Um, I think that's something maybe people who um, are more down on this arc will say is like, oh well, do- nothing that happens is really matters because like no one remembers allegedly. But I think every episode, <laughs> right? Like first of all, fuck that. Even if they didn't remember and there was no change, they're still amazing pieces of television. Um, but they, these like endings show that there is some kind of change on some level because I think when Wakaba like comes home, I think she wouldn't be looking at that specific spot where Sayonji was always sitting if she didn't have some memory of that um, sort of situation going on. Uh, and but I also I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to believe it's not so sad. Like maybe Wakaba is okay with coming home and like she greets her like she says obviously the like uh i'm back line she doesn't receive the like welcome home like traditional sort of response to that but i think you know maybe wakaba is okay with that maybe she doesn't need that anymore um that's just me wanting the best for my girl wakaba I, i'm sure it, it, is, it is is very sad but i i don't know i want to hope for the best for her yeah i think like you know i think she'll be fine um but it is i, I think that I think that it is meant to be a sad scene at the end when she comes home and is all alone. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, poor thing. Um, but yeah, what a what a amazing stinger and what an amazing episode. Fantastic um, work all around for from everyone involved and for us. The listener will not know, but we had a lot of technical <laughs> issues today because it's been quite the journey and we did it. Um, but yeah, uh, like this was a great episode. Um, 
our next one will be uh, episode 21, which is either translated as troublesome insects or vermin. Um, so another dual, you know, English translation we can talk about. Um, so we'll be back next week. But first, uh, Sushi, where can people find you? And do you have anything else you want to like plug or add? Whatever you want to talk about. Uh, I, w- I want to say that anyone who uh, calls the Black Rose Arc uh, filler is is lying. They're liars. <laughs> so true, Bessie. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, they're, they're just so good. They're such good episodes and you should absolutely watch them. But in terms of plugging my own things, um, you can follow me on Twitter at StushyXStushy, like in Hunter Hunter, <laughs> the X in the middle. Um, <laughs> And you can find me on YouTube at Stushi, uh, S-T-U-S-H-I. I have two videos on Utena that uh, some people say are pretty good. So <laughs> you can maybe check them out if you want some, uh, you know, just funny analysis of Utena with also sad parts interspersed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are among we are among those who would say such a thing, that they are very good at videos um thank you thank you yeah yeah well thank you so much for coming on this episode this like we said this is an episode a lot of people consider their favorite um and so it it definitely made sense I think to make this feel like Wakaba feel like a special episode (laughs) uh, because it is a very special episode Wakaba is a very special girl yes best girl I know we won't get that (laughs) (laughs) Derek where can people find you uh, well, they can find me at Rain Dierks on Twitter. You can also listen to uh, my other podcast, Bittergers, with our friend Sam Stanish, where we are deep in the throes of Survivor 41. You know, Christine was on our most recent episode, uh, waving the flag of Tiffany Seeley, winner of Survivor 41. Um, but, you know, you can listen to how all that went down uh, on Bittergers at Bittergers Pod, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, yeah, and you can find me on that episode of Bitter Jurors, which recently, um, but you can follow me on Twitter at xteen underscore files, and then I also write about uh, Survivor 41 on Inside Survivor with my friend Gia. We do something every Tuesday, just kind of rounding up the previous episode. Um, so yeah, um, and Sur- it's Survivor Micronesia is coming to US Netflix, so if you're in the States and you have Netflix, watch uh, Survivor Micronesia when it comes to Netflix next month. <laughs> That's my thing I want to plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah so again Stushi thank you so much um thank you I hope thank you had a good time technical a issues time. aside <laughs> this is gonna be I a banger of an episode <laughs> it was you know it was Anthony and Anami working together to to plot something but yes. it didn't work out so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so we'll be back next week for episode 21 uh troublesome insects or vermin so we will see you then bye-bye thank you all for listening bye bye, bye.